0: hey there everybody welcome to the water trio podcast i am flanked by two of my favorite astrologers alicia Youssef and kelly Surtees. today we are going to do a little bit of an update and installment of some of the astrology we can expect throughout june and july to give you a little bit of a heads up for some of these major mid-year ships that we are all going to be moving through so how are you girls
1: Fantastic. To be back. Yeah. yeah, so excited to be back doing this with you too.
0: I know. So let's get to it. I guess Jupiter in Taurus is the transit that everybody is probably thinking about, looking well, one of them thinking about and looking forward to. So um I'd love to hear your thoughts on Jupiter in Taurus.
2: Do you want to go first, <laughs> No. so why not well yes Um, why not (laughs) so jupiter moves into taurus 17th of may and it's going to be in there until the 25th of may 2024 and this is significant in and of itself because jupiter hasn't sat in one sign for quite a while now you know in Pisces we actually got Jupiter three times you know popping in and out when it was in Pisces and then Aries it was back in you know, we got two iterations of this but now you know Jupiter's entering this fixed earth sign and it's just mm-hmm. coming in like the bull it's just gonna sit on just do its cub, and it just feels like such a slow steady serene energy um you that's one of the things I love about Horus, it's, you know, for me as a Scorpio, it's definitely that settling presence, bringing energy that we always need as an antidote. But I think for everybody, it's a real opportunity to slow down, you know, to really bring ourselves into our body and really honour those spaces that help us be in the present moment of you know what you what Taurus is pulling us into so i think it's um you know there's a couple of significant transits it'll be making during that period of time you know one that's out of this of course is the um square that it's going to be making to pluto right, just just as it moves in but in the period we're talking about there is that conjunction with the north node but we'll get to that later i just guess i wanted to hear more about what you are both thinking too about this and the kind of energy that it can bring
1: Yeah, I'm so looking forward to Jupiter and Taurus. Uh, I agree with everything you've said Leish and one thing that I want to amplify that you said and then I'll just add a little piece is I'm really looking forward to Jupiter staying in the one sign for 12 months. And I am looking forward to that earthy Taurus approach of measured, methodical. And I can't believe I'm actually going to say this. So that's how I know I'm aging is I am looking forward to a little bit of the plodding consistent energy that Taurus is known for. Uh, And I'm also thinking too about the embodiment. So being in the body, I'm thinking about being in nature. I'm thinking about spending more time in my garden, uh, walking in green kind of settings. So that there's something about the sort of purest essence of Jupiter in Taurus that feels really calming to the nervous system or Mm. you know it's sort of that embodied where you can be with things it doesn't mean everything's happy but it means you've got enough time to digest and process things um And then I do think technically about Jupiter, the greater benefic being in a sign ruled by Venus, the other benefic, the lesser benefic. I I think, you know, we've had Jupiter and Aries really amplifying competition or war or military kind of goals. And so Jupiter coming into an earth sign ruled by Venus, you know, is this a little more relational? Is it a little bit more about negotiation because we've got Jupiter guided by Venus? Um, But I also think, you know, it is very much about nature and the environment and green space and and those types of things uh, as well. Uh, So there's some of my kind of highlights of of Jupiter and Taurus and of course it's going to make some big aspects uh, in this period we're looking at, June, July, and then again in 2024 when Jupiter gets far enough into Taurus to interact with Uranus, but we've got lots of time to, to think about that. Uh, what about you, Cass? What are your sort of highlights of Jupiter? Oh, and I definitely
0: agree all of the above. And um, I'm totally down with the garden and the flowers and just all, like really kind of relishing or savouring the stillness and the slowness and the beauty. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's just going to be such a antidote to the faster pace of Jupiter. And it's it's almost acted like mercury in the last couple of years right dipping in and out dipping in and out and so just to really slow down i think it's just going to bring a lot of peace and tranquility and peace of mind i also think it's going to be the ultimate in sort of that smelling the roses type of energy and to have a greater level of appreciation of you know whether it's nature or certain simplicity and Um, And relishing in the abundance that you have, even if it's not the abundance maybe you want, but a greater appreciation for Mm. uh, those little things, you know, the five senses, look at that pretty flower or gee, that smells nice or that food tastes great. It's just that, you know, the really like simple um, pleasures and sort of expanding the gratitude around that. Um, Mm. I really do think that it's probably going to feel like a massively slow transit. Hey, it's Taurus, but also too, just because what Jupiter has done in the last, you know, two iterations through Pisces and Aries. So I think it's going to be a really long, slow marinating process. And at a more kind of philosophical level, I think that sometimes, you know, finding what meaning and purpose is all about doesn't happen in an instant it happens Uh -uh. through reflection and stillness and being in that present moment you know jupiter and aries has been perhaps a little bit more of the experimental or trying this and trying that and i always think about what um you've said to me uh, many times over the years of our friendship about having my the planets in taurus that i have that I have this innate awareness of what's good for me and what's not. And I think Jupiter and Taurus can offer that to all of us and allow (laughs) us to uh, have enough stillness to kind of recognize what feels good, what feels, you know, that double benefic energy versus what has, you know, maybe a touch of malefic energy and just go, "Mm, no, I don't like that and, and move away from it. So I do think beauty and harmony and just all of those kind of, venus thinks you know sipping wine in a garden i mean it's just going to be wonderful (laughs) it's
2: probably what i might be doing
1: oh i love it i love it yeah
2: but there are a couple of cautions i have with it too you know being Mm. the environmental scientist in all of this is the accumulation side of forests. um And I think that especially that interaction with the North Node there, it's like be Mm. careful what you're accused to accumulate under this. I mean, my beautiful Taurus mother, bless her, she has what we call the Holocaust cupboard, which, you know, she doesn't have one packet of crackers, she's got ten, you know. So we know that if there was ever an apocalypse, her house is where we're going to. And I think that can be that energy of Taurus is to constantly, you know, have a material accumulation towards security and safety. So, being careful under Jupiter of, okay, what growth are you putting in place here? Um, because that can be where, mentally, it's not so great. You know, for me, I would love this to be people start to be being a lot kinder to the planet. But, and as well, I think too, it's just about organic growth. You know, we have had it, Aquarius, Pisces, Aries. It's been so much flow, so much excitement, you know, so much happening in the mind. And now it's a chance to go, right, what am I physically going to materialise as growth underneath this phase? Um, And I just love that it's going to be that consistent, steady, stable year. Yeah. May to May. It's easy to remember.
0: And that's a good um a good point that you bring up leash <sighs> to touch on it briefly is the first uh aspect that jupiter and saturn make before since the 2020 grand conjunction mm-hmm. this happens in uh june and uh, i think we might have another one but um you know it's like that kind of grounded growth or you know what do you want to bring out of the experience of the last uh, few years and you know we've had a lot of taurus energy you know eclipses since in what november 2021 yeah. The Mercury retrograde that's just happened. So it's like, you know, what wisdom do you take from those cycles that you want to expand upon or, you know, fertilize in some way to use a bit of a Taurus analogy there. So, yeah, um, interesting. Okay, so that's Jupiter and Taurus. Uh, I guess something else that's going to be on people's lips for this time period is... um, Pluto coming back into Capricorn. You know, this is going to be joy for some of us, uh, for those early fixed planets, just get a little bit of a breather. And those in the late Cardinal um, are a little bit back in the thick of it for a little bit of time. <laughs> Sorry, Leash. So um, what, uh, what are your thoughts about Pluto's, uh, I guess, return to Capricorn?
1: Yeah. I think this is a really interesting one. So I think it's June 11th that Pluto will retrograde back into Capricorn. And that kind of brings to a conclusion, this sort of temporary preview of Pluto in Aquarius that we've been having. And, you know, Pluto coming back into Capricorn is like, what is unfinished? What is unresolved? Not just from earlier this year, but what has been going on for the last 15 years that you are questioning that you are wanting to change. One way I've been really getting my head around the Pluto sign change is just reminding myself that Pluto has been in Capricorn for 15 years. What have I done, you know, in my life since 2008, 2009? What am I questioning? What am I wondering if I should do differently? Where am I going into this more investigative, you know, questioning process? i think we all get very excited about pluto going into a new sign and there is things to learn about what the next 20 years is going to be like but i also think it's important to have that uh, sort of theme around conscious closure you know what is winding down or what are we transitioning out of and so i think a huge part of this second half of 2023 is doing something of that sort of conscious winding down questioning things that have been around a long time, obligations, loyalties, alliances, structures or systems that you have built your life on or that have been a huge part of how you've lived. It's not saying everything needs to come apart at the seams. This is more of a really um, thoughtful, intentional questioning, reflection, and then maybe adjustment or restructuring. And so I'm thinking, I guess, a little bit of the big picture of Pluto coming back into Capricorn. We've got until early Jan 2024, I think, that Pluto will now be um, in Capricorn. I don't actually think it's the last time Pluto's in Capricorn. It comes back for another little piece in 2024. So we're very much in this place of transition with like one foot in the old world and one foot in the new and Pluto coming back into Capricorn is like, we've got some things we need to attend to that we need to apply wisdom and maturity, but also a little bit of strength and fortitude, you know, because Capricorn is the sign where we need to be maybe making necessary choices that are not necessarily our feel good choices. Uh, so there's some of the, the thoughts that I have about Pluto coming back into Capricorn. And it's a, it'll give you a chance, I think, it'll give everyone a chance to kind of catch their breath about what Pluto in Aquarius is looking like. And then it's like, um, what do we need to attend to? That's not, not done yet. But that's, that's sort of my sense of it. What about you, gals?
2: Love it. I agree with everything you said, Kel. It's that real like, liminal you know, because at the end of the day, Pluto moves so slowly, you know, it is really quite put in both worlds now for the next couple of years. And I. it reminds me of when I was moving countries. And it's that sense of, you know, that last kind of week before you actually go, you're really, you've got your head in one place. you know, you're kind Such of a good about, analogy, Like, Yeah, what am I going to be doing when I get there? But it's like all the things you've got to do to get yourself there. And I think so yeah. it's almost like we've kind of had a think of, okay, and really, you know, my suggestion for everybody is look at the houses that this is for you. It's yeah. not just about the signs, but it's like, okay, which areas of your birth chart is it moving from to? And so the themes here of like, you know, I remember when we moved back from Palestine and Israel to Australia, we really had, you know, we were at that um, post offices, you know, sending things across. We were shutting down bank accounts there and, you know, trying to open new ones here and, you know, looking at buying a car, all those kind of things. So, And, you know, selling the one that we had there. So it was this sense of, there needs to be closure in one place so that there can be that powerful plutonic dynamic in another that it enables it to move forward. So exactly what you were saying, Kel, that conscious closure that allows us to Bring that metamorphic energy of Pluto to another area without thinking. You know that that hangover from my last house is still holding me back.
1: That's such a good analogy, Leash. Yeah, it's a good one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And then, like the the plane trip is like the journey itself, and then you spat out at the other side, and you're like, you know, Skippy in the headlights. What? I'm here. Like that door's closed now. That part of my life is is you know over. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Pluto, especially in Capricorn, is really this kind of, you know, how have you given your power away, you know, either in an intimate setting or with authority and systems, you know, the control and manipulation and all those dynamics. And I think sometimes when uh, such a slow mover like Pluto comes back into Capricorn, it's not till like it comes back and then sometimes that realization or that dawning happens and you go what is this what I've been doing for the past 15 years so it gives you that opportunity to kind of clean up or tidy up and you know to move into that new uh new area so you know collectively I think you know there might be some people that make some new realizations about Uh, structures and systems and what have you and then you know as you girls said you know personally like look to your house you know what have been some common threads for the past 15 years that you know might be little things but you know little things have that compounding effect or maybe it was just this kind of like one big thing and it might be a little bit you know those power or control or manipulation kind of dynamics you know even some self-sabotage stuff like where have you held yourself back or, you know, um, and various things like that. So I think Pluto coming back into Capricorn will kind of be, um, a little bit of an awakening period to, to that. Cause sometimes like when you're in it, in something, you don't really realize you're in it and then you get out of it. And then you go back into it and you're like, WTF? You know, why did I put up with that for so long? Or, you know, why did, you know, it just looks different because you're coming back into it with fresh eyes, fresh perspectives, new experiences. It's like getting back with an ex. You know, it might be okay for the first few times. And then you're like, what am I actually doing? So, you know, if (laughs) you've got a cancer rising, that might be true. (laughs) But you get the gist, right? So it is that sort of. You know, you've got a little bit of this Pluto and Aquarius wisdom and experience now, and which which will make your uh, Capricorn house just look so much different.
2: Yeah, Funny, you, you touched on Gloria awesome yeah, sorry, sorry Kel just quickly what you what Cass yeah. was saying that Gloria Gaynor song you know I will survive you know I wish I changed a stupid lock so we've been, like, <laughs> away
0: the key <laughs> yeah well oh you know it'll gosh. be interesting you know so if you've got any like you know Venus at a late degree of Capricorn or something I'd love to hear <laughs> are you going to say something Kel?
1: I was just going to say, yeah, one thing, the word that came up for me when I was listening to what you were saying was this idea of revelations, which is sometimes really correlated with Pluto. And it's not at the beginning of a Pluto transit, sometimes not even in the middle of it. It's really towards the end where you're like, oh, now I see whether there was manipulation or there was a control dynamic in play or, you know, like the office politics or the family politics. And when you see, when it's kind of revealed to you, you're like, oh my gosh, how did I not see this? Or now I immediately need to change my choices or update my patterns of behavior because I have a sense of like, there are things going on here that maybe I wasn't aware of. And so that revelatory quality of Pluto you know maybe bringing things that have been hidden or, or been a little bit obscured into the light i'm really intrigued as to how that comes into sharp focus as we transition through this kind of end of the pluto and capricorn cycle
0: one point i want to bring up that might be helpful for people to sort of think about or contextualize is that um sort of that new year period of 2021 into 2022 we had a venus retrograde in capricorn and so that was the last time we sort of when we had a tiny bit of of mercury um in the january february but for the most part you know venus was retrograde in capricorn which kind of might have given you a little bit of awareness of what we're moving uh into now not just with the venus retrograde which will be our next topic but also to help uh, connect the dots with what you might experience with Pluto moving back
2: into Capricorn.
0: So uh, with Not that, a seg- little segue. Yeah, was uh, one
2: more point before I'll as well. It. Just the way that Pluto is going to interact, you know, the nodes moving into... Ah, uh,
0: thank you. Yes, please. <laughs> Flesh that up um,
2: for us. Yeah, Aries <laughs> and Libra as well. You know, that's yeah. a big thing that's going to be happening in this period of time too. And that in and of itself will also be interacting with Pluto. So... Um, you know, we've got the the nodes changing sign. Oh gosh, July seventeenth. Yeah, 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 that's what I've got. Eighteenth of July here. Yeah, um, and you know, pretty quickly they're going to square Pluto, and then we've actually got that last eclipse that happened on the twentieth of April. Close enough, you know, at that twenty nine degrees mm. of. Aries close to where Pluto's is, zero zero degrees in Aquarius. So there's something about the way that Pluto's going to trigger these off. And, you know, what I see with planets square, the nodes, is they, you know, Judith Hill talks about it taking us up and down the, the spiritual path of evolution. So okay. exactly the, those kind of dynamics or those revelatory insights that we may receive could be tied into eclipse messages as well. You know, these sudden flashes of insights or these shifts in circumstances that go, oh, you know, it's like they rip the veil from the eyes and suddenly you're like, actually oh, that situation or that relationship is not helpful for me or is holding yeah. me back or it's keeping me you know I find with Pluto it's often what's holding me under or what's keeping my feet in the underworld um and I love what you're saying Kel about how you know it's like you climb out of the underworld up to the other side and that's when you really get a clear picture on it so I do wonder if those kind of series of eclipses and the Pluto's the bands will help with that on the night nice, the bands will help with that too
0: yeah, I know this is something that people of you know various evolutionary schools of astrology, you know Pluto and the nodes, are, you know big topics for their sort of way of approaching astrology. And it's not a, a system that I um, I work with, but I know when I see this show up, whether it's you know by a transit or in natal chart, I often sort of feel that it's this kind of you know do I. See or do, should I go type of energy? It's like, do you stay in something that's familiar, safe and comfortable? Or do you kind of, you know, make that kind of difficult square opposition, you know, the more challenging aspects and maybe stretch or compromise and, and move into, you know, something perhaps, you know, with potentiality or possibility, but a little bit more unknown. So, you know, we haven't even really talked about just the nodes changing signs in of themselves before we sort have launched into that square. So, uh, yeah, the nodes move out of uh, Taurus Scorpio and move into uh, Aries Libra. So it's kind of interesting, this uh, sort of uh, key shift, because we're still looking to Mars and Venus as, Venus as the rulers. But what's mm-hmm. happening from the north node ruled by Venus to the north node being ruled by Mars. And so there is a, you know, there is a sort of an opposition kind of occurring there. Um, And we're moving from perhaps that Taurus Scorpio kind of more resourcey type of uh, axis versus the more relating axis. Mm -hmm. So do um, either of you have anything to say about the nodes in Aries and Libra uh, generally?
1: Yeah, I mean, I do think it's a huge feature of the mid-year period, the nodes changing signs. The nodes just change signs every 18 months. So, yeah, North Node into Aries, South Node into Libra. You know, this is a a little more relational. It's a little bit more interactive. We've had the nodes in Taurus Scorpios, which has been a lot more about, Taurus Scorpio, a lot more about uh, resources and the economy. It's been about, like, physical matter and money. That's the Taurus Scorpio nodal pair. And so coming into Aries Libra, it is a little bit more, I think, about alliances. It's, you know, the Aries Libra independent versus partnership. And so I think the eclipses as we experience them on the Aries Libra axis are going to kick up questions collectively about alliances. You know, which countries are friends with which other countries and which countries are enemies with which Mm -hmm. other countries, if you like, like at the collective level. I think if you want to talk about the nodes in Aries and Libra personally, the most um, individual way to do that is to look at the houses and the house topics of Aries and Libra in your personal chart. And, you know, the nodes have this agitated churning, you know, they kind of unsettle things. They stir things up. And so when things get stirred up, we can sometimes be aggravated, but we can also be more open to doing things differently. And so I think as the nodes are you know, changing signs, there's one part of our life, the Taurus Scorpio part of our life, that like the muddy waters are calming down and getting clear again, whereas coming into Aries Libra, there's a little bit of an unsettled quality that is going to get stuck things going, but also stir up things that we might have uh, been okay staying as they were. So we sort of know we're going to get a fair amount of change and movement wherever the nodes are coming in.
0: Yeah, as the beholder of a pair of nodes in Aries and Libra, um, it will be an opposition granted, though. I do feel like with the North Node in Aries, that for some people, the challenge or the invitation is to go it alone, like try something that might be entrepreneurial or independent of what you might normally do. Um, it might It's almost this kind of lone wolf energy to it, but also remembering that, A wolf is never really alone. And if a wolf does find itself in the lone position, it generally doesn't survive, right? Wolves are kind of pack animals. So it might be sort of like leaning into the support of a relationship or a community or a group of people, but then also finding ways in which you can still strike out away from those and, and do something that might be independent of the group or exploring a, a personal passion or a pursuit and doing something that might just be um, you know, more energetic or even physical in some way. Um, and again, to your point, Kel, like the houses are going to give you a little bit more information about that. You know, how can you still lean into some sort of support system or relationship, but then, you know, do something, you know, for yourself or on your own in some capacity. And, you know, there is always that me versus we dynamic in uh, Aries and Libra and that constant compromise between between like your personal desires or wants But also the consensus of someone or someone else or something else or you know what those other more harmonious or peacekeeping um uh parts of life that we you know we can't just totally do what we want all of the time you know we do sometimes have to you know sprinkle a little sugar on various parts of our life so we can go and do that other thing and so that might be just finding that sort of diplomatic sweet spot Uh, as per the houses um, in your birth chart, that nice balance between sweetness and saltiness um, that keeps everyone happy.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm talking about it as interdependence. It's like Mm. it's not independence and it's not codependence. It's that place in the middle of like, okay, where can I be myself? But still no man has an island, you know, so... What does it look like in a relationship territory in that place? You know, I find it really interesting that the nodes swapping over with Jupiter as well, the North Node. You know, the North mm. Node is that place where we're hungry for or we're not always satisfied. So, you know, when the, Jupiter conjuncts the North Node on the 2nd of June, it's like, and then, you know, that that shift in um, 17th, 18th of July, it's like, okay, suddenly this area that Jupiter's been focusing on and, and bringing a lot of growth a lot of excitement and exuberance too, the North Node's going to shift in there and and continue to pull us towards, okay, what can I materially do in this area? And then Jupiter's going to come in the other side where the North Node's been. So there's such a focus of growth and accumulation in these two areas of your chart, um, just to be aware of and thinking about when you're looking at how the eclipses start to trigger this off too.
0: That type of energy. Mm. Cool. So I guess there's probably one more thing um yes my yes and that is <laughs> pretty uh, important <laughs> yes. of, of, of keeping the peace in venus and things like that i mean venus is a very significant star in 2023 and in uh june i believe it's when she actually mm-hmm. ingresses into leo and then come july yep. she's you know sayonara i'm going on holidays. so let's talk all things venus retrograde
1: for sure i mean the one thing that like, yes, I want to talk about Venus retrograde. And I also just want to say, I think it's June 5th that Venus comes into Leo and she will be in Leo until October. Mm -hmm. Um, I think until about the second week of October. So we're getting, you know, four full months of Venus in Leo and that's, you know, four times as long as she normally spends in a sign. Typically Venus will spend about four weeks in a Zodiac sign and she's going to be there for four months. So, You know, at a personal level, people might think about, oh, well, my Leo house is about X topics and I'm going to be building a new and deeper relationship with that part of my life because we get this extra emphasis. Uh, But of course, yes, Venus, Leo, retrograde, um, the retrograde itself starts on July 22nd. Uh, Venus will be starting her retrograde or stationing retrograde at 28 Leo. And then she's going to be retrograde for the end of July, all of August until the very start of September. Uh, And so, oh my gosh, there's so much to say about it. The thing that's popping into my mind that's really pressing, there's two things, I think. One is that this Venus retrograde in Leo is similar to the Venus retrograde in Leo in the middle of 2015. So for anybody who's thinking about your own chart, Venus retrograde cycles have an eight year timeline if we think about Venus being retrograde in one particular sign and being retrograde again in that same sign. So it was sort of, Um, june july august of 2015 that we had venus retrograde in leo previously so you might notice a link between some topics that were important in your life in the mid 2015 period that you're revisiting updating making some improvements around in the middle of 2023 but the one thing i love about venus in leo is that this is a placement that really speaks to me of quality control or standards and so there's something about venus in leo about you know Venus being in the sign of the sun, where there is confidence, there is sort of this deservingness. You know Venus in Leo is not lacking in a sense of worthiness, if you like. And so as Venus uh, takes us on the retrograde loop through Leo, I think some of the the issues or the questions or the things that might come up for us could be related to, am I coming from a place of insecurity here, or am I operating in a way that, you know, I am sort of really confident in my worthiness or deservingness? And I think that'll be one interesting piece about, you know, how our insecurities sometimes trip us up. You know, we compromise because we don't think we can ask for what we really want, or we don't take the lead when we really have a strong opinion about something. We want to, you know, not offend people. So I think there's something in here about sort of Ample, like each of us being encouraged to kind of be a little more expressive, maybe in the values or desires or affections that we have, but not getting it right the first time. Because of course, a retrograde is an opportunity to go back over things. and. So that's just sort of some general themes about our Venus retrograde in Leo that are on my mind. But what about you, gals? What are some of the things coming up yeah, for each of you? There's
0: quite a bit of the similar threads that I've been thinking that you've mentioned. And when you think about Venus, just her sort of pure significations, you know, she wants that uh, that smoothness or that flow that sort of, you know, speaks to popularity and friendship and things Just those kind of social graces and pleasantries that just keep everything really nice and you know in leo it's you know hang on a minute that's not what feels authentic to me or this is a version of my expression that's not coming um from the heart and so when venus moves backwards it's this question of you know how am i compromising my relationship style or way of relating in some way shape or form of course the sign is going to really you know speak to that and so i think venus in leo has the potentiality to be a little bit of a an internal pushback against some of the kind of cultural directions that we're heading into Um, and perhaps going well uh, the hive mind and this collective group think and what i'm to say or want you know all these things that are going on uh, the individual might be starting to think well yeah uh, this isn't for me and I'm going to just sort of shine in my own light and do things in my own way uh yeah that might be um, a little bit of a a lonely road at times but I think that sort of quality of the everlasting light of the Sun uh, will uh, ring true in the end and so again it's about that self-expression and that confidence and the endurance and so if you want something to last which might be you know a creative project maybe it's a relationship maybe it's um you know income stream whatever it is it is really about kind of going well um maybe my boss wants me to do it this way but mm, i'm going to do it that way you know or maybe like i've got to do xyz to appease an algorithm I want to express myself that way and i'm going to do it xyz way um so it is a little bit kind of uh maybe a little bit of a pushback but i think you know leo has that endurance and that might be uh you know, a little bit tricky through the retrograde to find that sort of pure expression but it, it will be you know ring true in the long term what are your thoughts alicia
2: Well, i totally agree with everything you're both saying i think the only things that i want to add is I mean, think about um, this is Venus in a fire sign. There's so much about passion, you know, the decisions mm-hmm. or the choices or the values that are made from our heart, from that passionate place. And it's, I think it'll be interesting, you know, because Venus retrograde is when literally she disappears from the sky. You know, this bright light that we see in the mornings or the evenings is. is not there in the moment so it's it's like venus has gone underground so it's this period of okay how can all of us go underground and go what is it that my patterns are telling me about the, re- the situations or the relationships that i want to be in and you know similar to what you were both saying it's like am i just in this relationship because i should be because judy's telling me to be or is it because i'm excited about this person or enthusiastic about this situation and and that's where i want to be so you know it's that kind of hundred day cycle in total that we'll be going through this where venus is hidden um but with that 40 days in particular where you know it's that retrograde cycle so yeah it's um it's gonna be interesting to see i think especially because venus is ruling jupiter you know so Venus will hold sway over that and will also hold sway over the, the south node at that period of time as well uh, to see, okay, but especially that Jupiter in Taurus. It may feel like when, you know, Jupiter moves into Taurus, the growth's happening and then suddenly it kind of comes to a standstill or it slows down even further mm. uh, and it's causing us to really think, okay, am I coming from my heart here or yeah. am I coming from a place of enthusiasm and passion here? So it just, it always makes me think of Bette Midler. Um, You know, she's got Venus in Leo and that movie, The Wind Beneath My Wings, you know, where a friend gets really sick. And so she's kind of caused to rethink about her relationships and, you know, who was Mm. important, who helped lift her up. Um, It's been quite musical, this uh,
0: this podcast. I know. All mentions of songs and things.
1: Love it. Um, Um, I do think that just really quickly on that, the Venus retrograde ruling Jupiter and I know we'll talk about this in future episodes, but the Venus retrograde, like Venus will actually directly interact by square with Jupiter yeah. and Uranus. And there is something in there with um, everything you've said there, Leash. It also makes me think about Legal matters or ethics or kind of moral choices mm-hmm. that are pertaining to maybe relationship matters or feminist topics or even women's issues. Um, with the Venus retrograde, you know, in Leo, connected to Jupiter, an aspect to Jupiter, it does feel like there is. Um, You know, that Jupiter side of it, you know, the rules or the ethics or the morals or the laws, that is a big piece of of this Venus retrograde, I think. And bringing women to the heart of the matter, you know,
2: Venus in Leo. Like women
1: making laws about their own um, experiences and their own bodies, for instance, you know. That'd be great, wouldn't Uh, it? What a novel (laughs) approach. Uh, Or even just having female representation. But we're all going to get on our bandwagons (laughs) in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: well it is <laughs> Venus and Leo hello right um, so, <laughs> but one point I want to make to maybe like put a little silver lining on what is a little bit of a, a tricky transit is that when Venus it's more August story but she, you know she does make some lovely uh you know when she rises as the morning star she's going to square Jupiter so that's a really lovely like I'm back baby so do kind of you know the process may not be fun but the results will be worth it so i think that's probably what um, you know the venus retrograde that's uh, a
1: beautiful uh, beautiful way of summarizing it yes.
0: yeah well with that we should probably wind up this show um so let's quickly talk about what we've got coming up does anyone have anything they'd like to share with our listeners
1: always have things to share uh... I have got, I think when we release this, I will have my relationship astrology course will be running the live cohort. So if anybody wanted to jump in on that, you could. And on June 26, um, I have a four part training about career and life direction in astrology, looking at both natal tendencies and timing factors relating to that. Uh, so if anyone was interested in exploring either of those topics, you could just pop over to my website, kellysastrology.com and find out more or sign up. Cool. What about you two? Leisha?
2: Um, with each Jupiter ingress, I launch a free e-book. So if anyone wants to know more about Jupiter in Taurus and how it may impact your chart, then you just need to go and subscribe to my mailing list on my website. Um, I don't have anything planned right now. We're recording this episode a bit. But I have just done, you know, for the Jupiter and Taurus juice, I've got a webinar I've done with a counsellor slash astrologer colleague on a former trauma in astrology and weaving the two together and that will have some great uh, resources in there actually for those who are wanting to work more with their nervous system uh, and there will be more things i'm really planning some good juicy jupiter and taurus stuff for this period so yeah sign up to my website or sign up to my email on my website to get uh to get the updates on that what about you Cass?
0: Yeah, uh, June 7, I am taking in a new cohort of astrology students um, for a year-long program, uh, taking you t- to the very beginning of astrology. So the program's not just about teaching you you know, all of the, the language and the tools, but also what to do with them. So um, there's a lot of one-on-one, um, well, you know, one-on-group weekly calls, mentorship, guidance, general astrology questions, everything from chart reading, starting a business, all the things. So um, that starts June 7th. Uh, Enrollment is open and all of those details are available at cassandratindle.com. So, well, it was so great to connect to you both and with all of our lovely Water Trio listeners. I do hope you enjoy this episode and the season ahead love to hear about uh you know what are you looking forward to with these transits what area of your birth chart is it all happening in and of course uh, leave us those comments um uh, like and subscribe and all that stuff and share this video with your astrology friends that would be awesome Alrighty, righty until Fantastic. next time everyone we'll see you then